Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. I've got several different things that I want to share, and I, and I don't know exactly where it's all going to land, but I want to start in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is a, um, a passage of Scripture that I've talked about before off and on, and um, I, I want to share some things with you that I think are going to help us. This is kind of the groundwork. I, can't, I don't feel like I can go to the next thing until we actually cover this thing, uh, this one part very well. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, Therefore, I, prisoner of serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. If I didn't preach another word, that right there will preach. I beg you to lead a life worthy of the call of God on your life, for you have been called by God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you too. You've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there's one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one that ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. He is filling the entire universe with himself. Now, here's what I want us to pay attention to for just a second. Verse 11 says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So there was, there was a lot of gifts given out, but the, some of these gifts were specifically given to the church. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, also known as those called to ministry. You've heard the term, uh, someone says they feel called to ministry. This is what they, that they're saying, I feel called to one of these fivefold offices, as some call it. Now, notice this in verse 12, because this is oftentimes contrary to what I'll call small church thinking. If you grew up in a really small church and there was a pastor, it was often looked at as the pastor's job was to do all the spiritual work. The pastor's job was to pray for people. The pastor's job was to preach the message. The pastor's job was to visit at the hospitals. The pastor's job was to hug all the babies, and it was the pastor's job. But notice this right here. It says their responsibility, in other words, these gifts, those called to ministry, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. Then, we're gonna, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown away by, around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, he makes this whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the hope, and here's the goal, so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Can you say amen? So he gives these gifts, and the job of this gift isn't to do the work of God necessarily. It's to equip God's people to do the work of God and to build up the church. Very few people, uh, if you go back and study this in the Old Testament, there were these 12 tribes 
and this represented God people, the 12 tribes of Israel. Of the 12 tribes, 11 of the tribes, you know what they, were, what they did? Just business. They were kings. They just did business. Only one of the 12 tribes was separated to the priesthood. It's, it's, it's kind of a numbers thing. The same thing goes for us today here in this room. Very few of you in this room are called to full-time ministry as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Some are, and their job is to equip you, say, that's me, to do the work of the church, to do God's work, and to build up the church. It is very important that at some point in your Christian life, being a Christian becomes more than I'm going to heaven and more about I'm going to get heaven to earth. There has to come a point in your life when it's not just about what am I supposed to do to get to heaven. It's how is God choosing to use me to get heaven to the people on this earth. And I'll just tell you this right here. I think a lot of people still deal with behavior problems. They're still lying. They're still cheating. They're still cussing. They're still doing. There are all these things that they say they want to stop doing. They, they still can't stop doing them because they're focused on stopping doing them. If you would be more focused on what you're doing to do God's work and build up his church, you might look up one day and say, you know what? It's been about three weeks since I dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> I think I'm going to go buy myself a steak dinner. I'm not joking. You don't get better by looking at what you're doing wrong. You get better by what Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus. The auth In other words, looking at the right thing gets you to the right place, not looking at the wrong thing. You're I had uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, this, is, this is funny. Uh, this guy, he's, he's a friend of mine, he, uh, he didn't have the, the, the best... There were times in his life where let's just say he wasn't necessarily following Jesus, and uh, he had problems with alcohol, he had problems with drugs, he had problems with, with women, and he, he, had, he had all kinds of different problems, and this has been a while ago now, but he came to me and he said, Pastor, can we, can we talk? And some things just weren't going his way, they just weren't going his way in a certain particular area. And he said, I, you know, I'm, I'm, doing the, I'm doing the best I can, I ain't cussing nearly as much as I used to. He had to fill it up with that last part, not, not as much as I used to. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not cussing. I'm not drinking. I'm not going down to the massage parlor. See, y'all didn't think I knew about that massage parlor. I work in the oil field now. I've learned a lot of things since I started working in the oil field. <laughs> Jesus, take Midland. Take them now. You know. And he's sitting there, and he's, he's frustrated in this one area. And He's like, in his, in his, I could tell what was going on in his head. He's like, I don't know why this isn't going right because I'm working on my cussing. I'm not drinking. I've been sober. I'm not going, doing this. I'm not, I'm not doing things that the old person used to do. I'm not, I'm not doing any of those things. And, and this may or may not have been the best approach to take at this particular moment. But I said, you know, I'm just going to tell you something, man. I'd rather you come to me and say, you know, bro, I just twisted off last weekend. I crushed a 30-pack, and I went down to the massage parlor and got a massage. But the Lord's really been talking to me about some things about the call of God in my life. Now, let me clean that up just for a second. Don't go drink a 30-pack and go to the massage parlor. Can we, don't tell anybody your pastor said that's what you should be doing. That is not the point. Here's the point. If your Christian life is all about focusing on getting better at not doing the not-dos and doing the do's, and it's not, hang on, 
God's put something inside of me to express heaven on this earth. You're going to keep doing the not do's. And you're not going to be doing the you should be doings. You're going to be stuck in this rut because you've forgotten that you don't exist just to go to heaven. You exist to get heaven to earth. I, I, it's the most frustrating thing on the planet to, to watch people that struggle because the limit of their, the, the, the ceiling of their Christianity is I'm going to heaven. Great. All you had to do was pray one prayer to get that. It was free. And I'm glad you got it. And that's the power that's going to help you do the rest of it too. But now go look at the rest of it. Start asking God, Lord, what did you put in me? What is that thing that you put in me? Not so that I could go to heaven, so that I could get you and heaven to the people around me. What am I called to do? Verse 1, chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I beg you, Paul said, I beg you. Don't just lead a life worthy of getting to heaven. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of your calling. We're not called to lead a life that gets us to heaven. We're called to lead a life that's worthy of the calling. And he says it, because you have been called. Turn to your neighbor and says, you've been called. Now, I don't know what that has to do with the rest of the service, but I feel like we need, I just need to get that off my, off my chest. So um, I want to look at Acts chapter 10 and Luke 14. Acts chapter 10 and Luke 14. In Acts chapter 10, we'll start right there. In Acts chapter 10, Paul's having a bit of a moment because Paul has just had this dream, this prophetic dream. And in this prophetic dream, God is revealing something to him that's rocking his world. In this dream, this sheet comes down. And, and to make a really long story short, short it's all this food, all, this, uh, all these animals, if you will, that Jews were not supposed to eat. And he hears the Lord in the dream say, kill and eat. And Peter's confused because he's like, no, we're, that's not... We're Jews. We don't do that. We don't eat that food. So he wakes up. He's confused. And, 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 and he hears the Lord saying, because he's having this conversation with the Lord, Lord, I can't do that. I don't, I don't eat those unclean things. And he hears the Lord say to him, don't call something unclean once I've called it clean. You don't get to decide what's clean or unclean. I decide what's clean or unclean. Don't you go calling something unclean when I've said that it's clean. That'll do, I just feel like the Lord's saying this right now. Some of you, you're calling yourself unclean, and he's calling you clean. You're contradicting God because you're so bound up in your own guilt, shame, and condemnation. You can't not, it's not just about judging others and calling them unclean, and they're this. And, no, no, m most of us do it to ourselves. You don't even have the right to call yourself unclean if your heavenly Father has called you clean. And I'm going to preach this morning. I don't even like to preach sometimes. <laughs> So he's having this conversation with the Lord, and the Lord tells him this, and he says, here's the Holy Spirit, say, hey, there's going to be some men, just go with them, do what they tell you to do. And these men show up, and he takes them, and it just so happens to be some Gentiles. And Jews don't hang out with Gentiles. These Gentiles, they worked for Cornelius, he's this Roman officer, he goes and gets them, he comes in there, and he's like, what, what's going on? And Cornelius tells him, I had, I had a vision too, the Lord's been speaking to me, and apparently you have a special message for us. Now, in the middle of all this, Peter's struggling with this whole message. He's struggling with this, this message with the Lord about calling something clean and unclean. He, Peter's on the strug. He's on the strug. And so, but he says, okay, but I know the Lord led me to here, and here I am in this Gentile's house, and I'm not even supposed to be hanging out with Gentiles. And here's what Peter says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. First of all, he's confused, and all of a sudden, he sees perfectly clear. He says, in every nation, he accepts those that fear him and do what is right. So somehow in the midst of all that's happened, 
Revelation is being dropped into Peter's heart. And once when he was con- in an area where he was confused, now he sees exactly what God is saying through this dream. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know, and, and, now, and here's what I want us to focus on. It says, you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism? Then verse 38, Acts 10, 38. People quote Acts 10, 38 all the time. And you know, so here's, here's Peter, a Jew, talking to Cornelius and some other dudes that are Gentiles. He says this, he says, And you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. You might think that that's, that's, we're talking about Jesus. It's, it's key that he says Jesus of Nazareth because at this point he is also Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But he doesn't call him Jesus Christ. He says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not God Jesus, earth Jesus. Pay attention. And you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Why is it so important that he, he says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth? Because Jesus of Nazareth, that was John's boy. Not Joseph's boy. Got the wrong one. Joseph, that, that's, that's, his, that's Joseph's boy. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' real biological parents. He's, 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 he's making it clear, I'm not talking about Jesus Christ who is God. I'm talking about Jesus of Nazareth. That's John's boy. That's John's boy. And so, and I'm not being disrespectful here. Hear what I'm trying to say. You know, he's, he's saying, you, you guys remember that? Remember how God anointed John's boy? And then John's boy, a human being just like you sitting in this room. Remember how he anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power? And then old John's boy went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's John's boy. John, Joseph! Why am I saying John's boy? Joseph's boy! Joseph's boy. Joseph's boy. You know what I'm talking about. What, what is, what is, what is he try, what's the point he's trying to get across to us? This wasn't God Jesus doing good and healing all. This was earth Jesus. This was earth Jesus. This was a Jesus that came and put on flesh and blood just like we have. This was Jesus, the same Jesus that had to receive the Holy Spirit before he went out and did his earthly ministry. This is, this is the same Jesus that took on every manner of temptation that you and I have to take on every single day. That Jesus right there was anointed to do good and heal all. Now, Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, 12. This is very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Whoever believes in me, just for the fun of it, raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus. These people who believe in me will do the same works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We have been called 
to do the, not some of the, not something similar, not a, not a B-team version of, not a substandard version of. We have been called to do the exact same things that Jesus of Nazareth did when he walked this planet. Now, I think it's a good start. He says, do the same things that I did, and you're even going to do greater things. How many of you guys think it's a good place to start? Well, greater things, okay. Can we just start with the things he did? The, the, it, does it just, is it just me or just doing better things than Jesus did, greater works than Jesus did, sometimes a little bit of overload for the brain? Am I the only one that can tell the truth in church today? So, okay, let's just, let's just for the time being, let's set this one down for a second. Let's say, okay, let's just start with what he did. Let's just start with doing the things that he did. Now, there's a church in, Beth, in, in Redding, California, Bethel Church in Redding, California, this church is a, uh, it has shaped my belief system as much, if not more, than any other uh, church on the planet. They're, they're really going after some things. And, and, and a while back, they got, really in, um, they got really aggressive about going after healing. They're, 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 they're known for seeing incredible healings done. And they'll get these words of knowledge. If you don't know what a word of knowledge is, it's just where the, the Spirit of God gives you a little a little thought or a thing, and, and all of a sudden you know someone's dealing with a symptom. It might be a knee. It might be a this. You may have seen us do this in this, in this auditorium. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, he'll, he'll show someone a symptom, and the whole goal is not to say, hey, look how cool I am. I can, I can read your mail. That's not the point. The, the point is to get healed. It's a gift, but it's a gift to bring healing. And this group of people have been going after this. They're keeping records of it, I don't, uh, of the number of cancers, uh, cancer situations that were cancer was healed, people raised from the dead, uh, autism healed. There's all these things, and they're doing a really good job of tracking all this. And so uh, we have also gone after this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 tells us, and God said, these gifts in the church, first uh, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles and healing. Well, if that's what he says, the first thing's supposed to go in the church, then it needs to be the first thing we put in the church. Miracles and healing. We've gone after that. Do, does it, are we saying we're the next Benny Hinn? No, we're not trying to say that. I'm not going to wear those white suits. I promise you that. What I am saying is I, as a team, we are going after whatever God's going after to the best of our ability. We're going to go after it. So this, this, this thing of healing has been something that we're, we're going after. But what I've noticed is there's one little phrase in here that can be sometimes looked at as something minuscule and small, and we skip past this little phrase, and we go to this thing, uh, this, this, this supernatural thing of healing. And we talk about the things that Jesus did, and oh my gosh, what was the things that Jesus did? I'm supposed to be going around doing what Jesus did. Jesus walked on water. Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus raised people from the dead. And we talk about all these ginormous things that Jesus did. And somehow we forget right here in Acts chapter 10, 38, when the, it said, the first thing it said that Jesus did, the first thing that Jesus of Nazareth did with the Holy Spirit on him, anointed with power, it says this, then Jesus went around doing good. Just doing good. Yeah, but he raised the people from the dead. And then he fed the 5,000. And he healed some folks and lepers. And, yeah, he, awesome. And we should do those. Let's go after those things too. But what about this little phrase that actually got mentioned first? What about the thing that the scripture saw fit to say first? Just do good. Did you know that you can start your journey in bringing heaven to earth just by doing some good things for people? It's not that hard 
to do what Jesus did. Just do something good. Doing something good, just doing something good was not beneath Jesus and it should not be beneath you. And I want, but I want, man, I want, I want to do something spectacular. Okay, just start with saying hello and being nice to the person that's checking you out at Stripes. I'm not joking. The Lord's dealt with me about that. I, I, the Lord dealt with me about giving one of these, one of these, this little old lady who's working back, uh, making corn dogs, which I like Strops corn dogs. Don't talk to me about that right now. I've had a few too many corn dogs lately, but she, she, this really sweet lady, and the Lord dealt with me about doing something for her. When, when's the last time you just thought about doing something good for someone unexpectedly? And when's the last time you paired living like Jesus with simply doing something good? Not raising the dead, not healing the lepers, not feeding the, not the big ones, not walking on water. Not the, how about let's just do something good? What if we, I, I got home from a trip. I was in Missouri uh, all, all last week, and uh, I, I got back, and I walked into my office. And, and just so you know, I haven't had an office in my own building for a while because uh, we've had new staff, and I've been doing some other things, so I haven't had an office. Actually, I haven't had an office anywhere, so uh, I, I realized I, I need an office. I want a place to study. I want a place to meet with people, so we're having to try to do some renovations, and we made, got me an office, and, 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 and a couple people took it personally to make sure that I had a nice office. One particular person says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trick your office out. I don't know if you can say that in church, but that's what, he, what else we were going for. But he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fix your office up right he says, I, I just for the cost of all the equipment, all the material, I'm going to custom build you a desk. I'm going to custom build you this. And, it, and he, he builds me all this amazing, beautiful stuff. And then another person who's on my staff goes above and beyond to make sure that by the time I got back, it was all set up and had a, had a few girly things, but we're not going to talk about that right now. And, but can I just say this? <laughs> it wasn't a million dollars. They didn't cure some incurable disease that I had. They didn't do something spectacular. They just did something good. They just did something good. And I remember walking into that, that my, my office last night and I literally got emotional because I was like, someone just did something good for me. Someone was thinking about me. I didn't, it wasn't because I was paying them to do it. It wasn't because it was part of their job description. You know what it was? It was Jesus. It was heaven. Two people that said, I'm going to bring heaven to earth for him just by doing something good for him. I want him to have something nice. I want him to have something that he's proud of. When's the last time that you thought about just doing something good for somebody? Not doing better for yourself. We, we're, we're all real good at that part. I just want better for myself. I want, and, 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 and I would just encourage you, this, encourage you in this. Try to extend what you call your family. Because we all want something better for ourselves, and we dang sure want something better for our family. Did you know that the church is a family? We're a family. What if you just extended your family and said, no, I don't just want better for my, my personal biological, my, my wife and my biological uh, sons and daughters. I want better for my family. When's the last time you said, you know what, I got, I got a little extra money in, in savings over here. I got a little extra money over here. I could, go, I could go buy myself this. What if you bought it for somebody else? Uh, let me just say this. I, I genuinely believe this. I believe that one of the next moves of God, did you know that when in this last presidential election cycle, the number one thing on the minds of the American people was the economy? Let me tell you why it was the economy. Because the number one area that people struggle is financially. 
It's the number one thing. It's the number one pressure on people. It's money. So let's just say at least half of this room has financial pressure. You know what? Let's just, for the fun of it, if you've ever had financial pressure, raise your hand. Thank you for telling the truth in church. What if one of the next great moves of God wasn't, hey, I just, you, you meet, because Bethel does this, these, and a lot of people in our church are doing this. They're, they're getting words of knowledge about healing for people. What if, and, so, and, I, and I want people to get healed, if you've got knee problems, if you've got blood, just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. It's, it's part of it. But what about this? What if the Lord started giving people words of knowledge about an outstanding debt, and all of a sudden, let's just say you got a $10,000 credit card debt. It was your fault. You were stupid. You were young. You bought something you shouldn't have bought. It doesn't matter how it got there, but you, I mean, it is, it is, it's crushing you. You think about it. It's weighing on you. It's keeping you from getting the house that you want because you've got bad credit because you're barely making the end, all this stuff. And what if someone walked up to you and said, hey, I just got to tell you, the Lord just dropped something on my heart. The Lord said you got a, a, a debt that needs to be paid off. And what if someone reached in their pocket and pulled out a checkbook and wrote you a check for $10,000? Would that not scream the glory of God? I want people to get healed too. I, I, I want that. But I'm just telling you, you know what the number one need of people is? Money. You know what that tells me? One of the number one things God needs his people to have? Money. Why? Because it's a tool. It's a tool to do what? Do good things for people. Here lately, I've had people tell me this. Well, you know, I don't need no $20 million of this and that. I don't, I got a couple million bucks or this amount, a little bit in retirement or a couple hundred thousand dollars to stick back. That's, that's plenty for me. Since when did it become about how much was enough for you? It is my belief that if we don't get this money thing right as Christians, we're going to mix, miss the next move of God. It's not about what you're doing for your church. This is, here's, here's what I'll say. The reason you should get involved financially with what God's, the Bible says you're supposed to be doing financially and tithing, and let me tell you why, because that gets more money in your hand. The Bible says that when you tithe, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out so much more that there's not room enough to receive it. Guess what? Why would he give you more than you need? Maybe it's to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. I got a scripture for it. Here's the thing. Before you put money in somebody else's hand, you got to have money in your hand. We got to break this, this poverty mentality about we just need just enough. No, no. We need money in our hands so that we can put money in other people's hands that need it. And if you go back and look in the, at the first church in Acts, that's what they did. They made sure everybody had what they needed. There was no such thing as my money. It was our money. That's, that's a little too much for this Sunday morning. You all know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Good Samaritan, we'll read it. And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. He went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went down he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He's showing expense. The guy had expensive stuff. You got, that's what this means. He's, he, there's a reason he used those. He put expensive stuff on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey. That joker had him a nice Cadillac donkey. 
brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any, ex any extra expenses that you may have. Now Jesus tells this, this lawyer who was um, trying to trick him, like, who is my neighbor? You know, he was asking what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And he said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And the lawyer's like, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells this story. Then he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So what did you tell this guy? Go and do what this Samaritan did. What did this Samaritan do? What did this Samaritan do? First of all, you have to understand what a denarii is. A denarii is a day's wage. I did a little math, and don't get discouraged if this, you don't fall into this, but the, the, the Wikipedia, not the Bible, <laughs> Wikipedia, make that clear. Wikipedia says that the average income currently in Midland, Texas is $60,000 a year. Average income in Midland is $60,000 a year. And in some brackets, as you can imagine, much higher than that. But let's just start with the average. This average, $60,000. Two denarii would be about, four, it's 460 bucks to be exact. So here, I want you to understand this. This is what this guy, this is what happens. This guy's coming down the road and he sees an issue a guy with a problem, and he doesn't just kneel down, Lord, heal this man in Jesus' name. Take away his wounds, take away his hurt, take away his pain, and Lord, do something ugly to the people that did it to him. That wasn't what he did. He got some of the things that he had, some of the nice things that he had. He picked this guy up and put him in his nice Cadillac donkey, and he took him to the, to the inn and said, here's 460 bucks, and there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. Can I just say this? Who? What's this Samaritan doing for a living? He's doing all right. Got a little cash in his hand. Got him a nice donkey. Jesus tells him, go and do the same. Do you know that there's people out there that we will instantly see them born again through what we do with our money? Here, I'm not... What you do, don't, I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about the offering that we're not going to take up at the end of the service and have a box in the floor. That's not what I'm talking about. So don't feel like this is about, no, no, no. I'm talking about the fact that if God can trust you with money to do what he needs you to do with it, you might be surprised how much more of it you had. He tells the lawyer, go act like the Samaritan. You know one of the number one things we need to do to act like the Samaritan? We need to have some money in our hands. We need to get out of debt. We need to do, use wisdom with our money. Restructure the way you do your finances so that you have money in your hand and you can just call it God money, if you will. My, I, I've told you stories about that. I mean, me and Leanne have started doing this. I'm just telling you, the more I do it, the more money he puts in my hand. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I have, a, I have a special account that it's just, it's, it's God money. Lord, you tell me what you want to do with that. You want to pay off that lady's car from Basenberger? It was, I told Leanne we were looking for the, the, the letter. We got a letter from the lady. Lord told me, pay off her car. Well, guess what? I used to could not do that. I could barely pay for my car. But then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, Lord. This is one of the ways you want to bless people. One of their biggest needs is money. I need to have some money in my hands so I can bless people. So I started, I started changing the way I live myself so that I could have something in my hand when God said, hey, I need you to do something for that person. I need you to do something for that person. I need you to do something for that person over there. This is, man, I'm telling you, this is just, I can feel the religious cows just being murdered right now. He needs you to have money in your hand. 
This, 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 this Samaritan, he had money in his hands. He had structured his life in such a way that if by chance he were to come across someone that needed it, if by chance God needed to use him, he was ready. Can I just tell you right now, I don't care how much money you have in your hands. I don't care how many millions or billions of dollars you have. God wants you to have more. God wants you to have more. But he doesn't just want you to have money. He wants you to have provision. You know what provision is? It's money that's provision for the vision. He doesn't just need you to have money. He needs us to have provision. When's the last time you looked at your bank account? It's just a big pile of provision, tools for the vision of doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. You got to get out of your head that God's just going to want you to just scrape by. And, and, and that's why it's so important that you do get by, get, get involved with the, the, the financial principles that you find in the Word so that God can start multiplying your money back to you so that you have more provision, more money for the vision of doing good for people. It is my, and I'm, I'm wrapping up, it is my heart's desire that this message makes you start thinking a little bit differently about the little extra cash you have in your wallet right now because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. I, I, it, would, it would just make my day if all of a sudden people all across Midland started getting their meals paid for at restaurants. I, I, I'm telling you, I do it almost every restaurant I go into, and I'm not saying it to brag, I'm telling you to give you a, an idea what this can look like. Go into your, wherever you go to lunch today, go into the restaurant and ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? Who in this, who, most of us in this room, you got 20, 30 extra dollars. Find the smallest table there in the restaurant. The saddest looking person in the restaurant. I'm t I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. I was on a, one of my first dates with Leanne, actually at Cattle Baron in Lubbock. And the Lord told me, go that co I, I saw a couple, and they got the bill, and I could tell that they were, oh, man, I think it's going to be this much. And they were, and the Lord said, take care of that for them. Do good. It's not that, it, you want to do that spiritual. You want to go lay hands on them, and, do, you, and, and don't do this. Please, God. Walk up to the table and be like, the Lord has spoken to me. And I'm here to do good. And heal all who are oppressed of the devil. No, just buy a taco and get out. I'm not joking. Start breaking that off of your mind and off and out of you. Get that off of you that it's your money. No, it's provision. It's money on a mission. It's money for the vision. And I, what, just what if, all of a sudden, we got a reputation as a church where, I'm not going to name another churches, but they started waiting in the parking lot, and they started following our cars to the restaurant. And I'm just saying, you follow that car right there, you're bound to get your meal paid for. <laughs> Am I right, though? Would that not start messing with people's heads in a good way? Who are these people who just give their money away to other people for no apparent reason. The, the last couple, last week when I did it, to the, this, this was a mother-daughter couple, and I, it was interesting. There was a countenance on their face when they walked in. Snuck over to the waiter and said, hey, here's some cash. Take care of that. I don't know who they are. Just take care of their, their, their lunch. I, I kid you not, <laughs> it was just, and it was, it was good for my soul to even watch this because they walked in, and you could tell it, it looked like they were just down and it was just struggling. Oh, them suckers, when they walked to their car, they took my... 
it just, it just changed their day. It just changed their day because somebody did something good for them. Hell, like that little strut I just did there. Not a bad little strut. We got to start just get, we're not walking on water, multiplying the, no. Jesus went about doing good. And he's called you to do the same work. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.